Good morning. What a great time to be in Florida, right? And as Reb reminded us, what a great day to be here together to worship. Glad that you are here. Joining us online, glad that you're here, you're here as well. Max Licato uh, tells a story about a time and a place far away, but not unlike our time in this place. There was a tiny, well-kept, well-manicured neighborhood. They kept the streets clean, they kept the lawns trimmed, they kept the standards high. Each household had two parents, two children, a dog, a goldfish bull with one goldfish in it. They walked their dogs along the street. They waved to the mailman, and all of them turned out the lights by 10 p.m. It was a quiet, tranquil, predictable existence. But their quiet lives were turned upside down when a stranger moved into the house on the corner of Oak and Elm. It was a man, a single man, not a family man. His name was Levi. Levi drove a Corvette. He drove it fast. He drove it with the top down. He mowed his lawn with his shirt off. Money didn't seem to be an issue for Levi. He pretty quickly put in a pool and a deck and a sound system. As the quiet neighborhood was winding down, Levi was cranking up. He had parties. His friends came from the sketchy side of town. They drove jacked up pickups and low-riding Chevys. The guys wore cowboy boots, had tattoos. The girls wore much less. Some guys had six-packs for abs. Others carried six-packs under their arms. They all talked too loud. They drank way too much, stayed up far too late. So when the fine people of the neighborhood left for church on Sunday morning, they were aghast to see all the trash and beer cans in the lawn of their neighbor from the party the night before. And then one day, Jesus came into the neighborhood. Literally. Jesus shows up at the neighborhood. He walked the streets of this well-kept place. He went from door to door looking for someone to talk to, someone to connect with, someone to have a conversation with. But the people in town were really busy. They were busy with their curfews. They were busy with their chores and their hobbies. They were busy with their two kids and one dog. They had responsibilities. Everyone was too busy for Jesus, except for the fellow that lived at the corner of Oak and Elm, except for Levi. Jesus and Levi hit it off almost immediately. They met together. They talked. They laughed. They talked about life. Before long, uh, Levi uh, told Jesus about his sordid past. And Jesus told Levi about the Father, about forgiveness, about hope, about a different kind of life. And, and, and Levi asked Jesus, is it possible that life would be available to someone like me? And Jesus said, especially someone like you. And then one day, Jesus came with a special invitation for Levi. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, said, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. We are in this sermon series, I Have Someone in Mind. And we're taking the first part of the new year to kind of challenge ourselves, not just to talk about what life in the kingdom should look like, 
but to actually challenge ourselves to show people, to show our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, what life in the kingdom, what following Jesus actually means and what that involves. I want names. We want to take it personally. And this morning, I want you to start thinking about someone that you need to accept. And I say that, and you read that slide, and I know most of you are thinking, well, this isn't for me. I don't have any problem accepting people. I'm a Christian. I accept people all the time. You know, unless they want something from me. Or unless they're not exactly like me. But I'm not talking about the world's definition of acceptance. I want to talk this morning about the biblical definition of acceptance. What's the biblical definition? What's what's the standard that God expects when we talk about accepting others? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 15, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Paul commands us, accept one another. And that word accept in the Greek is kind of a hard word to translate into English. There's no exact translation for English. That's why, depending on what translation of the Bible you're using right now, you might find another word there. I've got the NIV up on the screen. The NIV uses the word accept. If you're reading the the TLB or the New Living Translation, it probably says warmly welcome. If you're reading the old King James, it will tell you to receive one another. And I think probably the best definition is some, some uh, compilation of all three. We are commanded to accept one another, to, to welcome one another warmly, to receive one another. And of course, Paul really ups the ante when he adds the challenge, as Christ accepted you. Now he puts that caveat in there and all of a sudden the stakes go way up if we are to accept one another as Christ accepted us. Because now, it's not just, well, I'll tolerate that person, or I won't be too bothered by that person, or, or we can coexist. Now, we've got to see people as valuable. You know, the, the bar's been raised now. A group of friends go deer hunting one afternoon. And they split off into twos. It's a pretty large group. And at the end of the day, one fella comes back to camp um, alone. But he's shouldering this giant eight-point buck. And the friends ask him, where's Henry? And he says, well, Henry had a stroke or something. He's like a mile back the trail. And they're like, you left Henry laying in the trail and you brought this buck back here? And the guy said, yeah, it was a tough call, but I didn't think anybody was going to steal Henry. You know, it's one thing to say, I accept you. It's one thing to say, you know, we can coexist. It's a whole different thing to say, okay, I value you. You mean something to me. It's another thing to see people made in the image of God. So Paul commands us, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. So the question becomes, okay, how did Christ accept me? Well, Let's go back and talk about Levi some more. How did Christ accept Levi? Now, most of you already know that in Scripture, Levi is usually referred to by another name, Matthew. 
And we already saw in Luke chapter 5 that when Jesus meets Levi, Matthew, he's a tax collector. And I don't know that tax collectors have ever been popular with anyone, but especially not in first century Palestine. Levi was a tax collector in Galilee. Most of you are familiar with how that system worked. The majority of tax collectors, including Levi, were Israelites. But they were sort of working for Rome. So the rest of the Israelites saw tax collectors as sellouts to Rome. It was assumed that all tax collectors were corrupt. And for the most part they were. It was assumed that they were thieves, and for the most part they were. It was assumed that tax collectors were traitors to their own people as well as to God. And for the most part, they were. History, biblical as well as secular, tells us that tax collectors were pretty much untouchables. They weren't allowed in the synagogue. They weren't allowed to give testimony in court, not in Israel. Tax collectors are somewhat, were people who no devout Israelite would ever eat with, would ever fellowship with, let alone talk to. It just wasn't done. To the Jewish people, no one was farther from God than tax collectors. A rabbi, a good rabbi, would never even be seen with a tax collector. The Israelites couldn't stand them. Romans didn't like them either, by the way, because they were Jewish. And really, the only people that kind of got along with tax collectors were other tax collectors. And that's who Levi is, until Jesus accepted him. Again, in our culture, that term has a pretty broad meaning. But what does it mean when Scripture talks about Jesus accepting Levi? The Greek word that Paul uses there in Romans, uh, accept one another, again, that word isn't just tolerate someone or condone what they're doing. It's the idea of actually drawing someone in. It's actually the idea of actually receiving them, welcoming them, giving that person value. I I very well remember the very first time that I met my father-in-law. I was a senior in college. I didn't know he was going to be my father-in-law. He was just Martha's dad. And uh, we left Nashville one Friday. We were going to drive down to Birmingham. And we were going to spend the weekend at her home. And I was a little bit nervous about meeting her family for the first time, but I'm a pretty likable guy. I think I can get along with anybody for a weekend. <laughs> so we're driving, we're right outside of Birmingham, and Martha says, oh, by the way, Dad said never bring home a Yankee. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> he said never bring home a Yankee. I said, like, you mean like a fan of the New York Yankees? She said, no, somebody from the north. Well, I'm from the north, and you're just now telling me this? Does he not know the Civil War ended a long time ago? Tell him I had nothing to do with it. And she's like, don't worry about it, it's an Alabama thing. No big deal. Well, I was worried about it. You know, her dad's going to hate me. So we walk in the door, one of the first things he said to me is, where are you from? Somewhere far away. (laughs) A good place. And yet, almost immediately, I knew I was accepted there. 
He welcomed me warmly. They embraced me, literally. You know, I understood, okay, they accept me. They see me as a person of value. And it wasn't because of me, by the way. They just knew that on some level, Martha accepted me. And that was good enough for them. You know, the idea of accepting someone is sort of hard to put your finger on, but you know it when you see it, right? And you certainly know it when you feel it. The opposite of acceptance, I guess, would be rejection. Again, we know it when we feel it, right? We know rejection when we experience it. And we know acceptance. You know when you feel accepted by someone. When you feel like they see you as a person of value. When Jesus saw Levi, he, he accepted him. He welcomed him. He spent time with him. He, he invited Levi into his life. He kind of gave him an all-access uh, pass to his heart. And Levi meets Jesus. And he's pretty much blindsided by grace. I mean, he'd made so many bad decisions in his lifetime. Decent people didn't speak to him. And now he's invited into this new community. Now he's accepted. He's given a clean slate. He's got friends. He's got a new heart. He's got a purpose. You know, why wouldn't he leave his old life behind? And yet, something keeps gnawing at Levi. Something keeps bothering him. He keeps thinking about all his old friends, all those tax collectors that he knew, and he starts thinking of names. Some names start coming to mind. He knows that to everyone else, those friends of his, they were used by Rome, they were traitors to Israel, but to Levi, they're people. They're friends. They have a name. They have a story. And here's what Levi knows. If I don't connect the people that I have some influence over to Jesus, no one else is going to be able to do it. I am the perfect person to connect people that I know to Jesus. I'm the guy to do it. So he thinks about it and he comes up with an idea. I'll have a party. Everybody loves a party, right? I'll invite all my old friends, the tax collectors, and I'll invite Jesus. It'll be great. Jesus will know just what to do. He'll take it from there. It's back in Luke 5. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his home, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. And I always wondered if Levi ever floated this idea past the other disciples. Great idea. All my buddies are going to get together, and you guys and Jesus are invited too. And I can just see Peter putting his arm around him going, Levi, Levi, Levi. I know you're kind of new to the group, but no, we can't do this. I mean, this would ruin Jesus' reputation if he's seen with a bunch of tax collectors. It would ruin our reputation. We're trying to start something here, okay? We're trying to gain some traction. And this doesn't fit the plan. In fact, I don't think Jesus would do it. But Levi loves his friends. And he's following Jesus. And he can't help himself. So he throws a party. And Jesus says, sure, I'll come. When? Where? You know, it's hard for us to imagine that scene in reality. These tax collectors, they weren't sick. 
They weren't lame. They weren't poor. They weren't the people that on some level you could kind of conjure up some sympathy for. They were liars. And they were cheaters. And they were thieves in the real sense of the word. They'd sided with Rome. And they had betrayed Israel. And here's Jesus eating with these men. He's talking to them. He's laughing with them. He's listening to their stories. He's talking to them about the Father. Sharing with them God's love and God's desires for their lives. He's just with them. He's just with them. And I wonder what Levi was thinking during this whole thing. All my life I thought it was about making a little more money, having a comfortable life. Boy, was I wrong. As he sat there watching Jesus and these tax collector friends of his, I got to think Levi's thinking, this is as good as it gets. To put people I love with this man that I follow, who I'm convinced is more than a man, this is it. This really is as good as it gets. So Levi becomes a follower of Jesus. And he doesn't just become a follower, he becomes a friend. He doesn't just become a friend, he becomes a disciple. But he's not just a disciple, he's one of the 12 apostles. But he's not just one of the 12 apostles, he's one of the four gospel writers. This man, Levi, he wrote the book of Matthew. And he's shared the message of Jesus around the world for, for centuries, right? That's how accepted Levi was. That's how Levi was accepted by Jesus. And by the way, I don't know when or why Levi's name was changed to Matthew. In fact, I'm not sure that it was. I think he probably went by two names. But I think it is interesting that the name Matthew means gift of God. And when Jesus sees this man Levi, the tax collector, what Jesus saw was a gift of God. And he treated them as such. He saw a person of great value. So let's go back to the party. Jesus is there, Levi's there, the disciples are there, tax collectors are there. Scripture says it was a great banquet, so I'm assuming that things were going great until the Pharisees show up. Verse 30. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Notice, they don't go and complain to Jesus. They complain to the disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Okay, here's this party. All these uh, tax collectors and sinners are there. Jesus and the disciples are there. And the Pharisees say, what is going on? What in the world are you guys doing? Why are you eating with these people? These are the people that we try to avoid. We blocked them on social media. We ignore them in social settings. They're ruining the neighborhood. They're ruining our schools. They're ruining our politics. They're just in the way. We try to keep them at arm's length. They're not worth our time. Why are you sitting down at a meal with these people? That's the question that the Pharisees are asking the disciples. The disciples don't answer that question. Jesus does. In fact, it's almost as if Jesus pops his head up when he hears the question. Like, let me handle this one, guys. Here's Jesus' response. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, 
sinners to repentance. Now imagine if you were one of the Pharisees hearing that. You know the difference between sick people and well people. You'd be looking around going, these people aren't sick, they're tax collectors. And we hate them. But Jesus is telling these Pharisees, this is the reason I came. This is the reason why I'm here. I came for these people. These people that you hate. I came for them. That's what Jesus is telling them. These people that you ignore. I came for those people. Those people that you tried not to make eye contact with. I came for those people. Those people that uh, you refuse to eat with. That you don't allow into your circles. I came for those people. Those people that you don't agree with on pick your level, I came for those people. I came to call sinners to repentance. And boy, am I glad he did. Because we needed a doctor, right? Because we're sinners. Been called to repentance. Accept one another then. Just as Christ accepted you. But don't miss what Paul adds to that commandment. In order to bring praise to God. When we accept others, when we accept people that maybe don't think, look, act exactly like us, when we accept people that other people say no, we bring praise to God. We make God look good. Just as Christ accepted us. And of course you see Jesus doing this all the time. It's what caused him to sit down with a Samaritan woman in a Samaritan town, a woman who had five husbands and one lover. It's what caused him to talk to a woman uh, kindly, gently, who was caught in the very act of adultery and tell her, I'm not going to condemn you. You've got to leave your life of sin, but I'm not going to condemn you. It's what caused him to spot another tax collector in a tree one day and say, come down, let's go eat meal together. I'm going to your house. And of course, that encounter changed the life of Zacchaeus. It's what caused him to meet Nicodemus one night, a Pharisee, member of the Sanhedrin, a guy who seemed to have it all together, pretty buttoned up. But the disciples would say, we hate that guy. He's a Pharisee. But he had sincere questions. And Jesus listened to him and answered his questions. Jesus valued him. Here's the deal. I guess the point of the whole sermon here. It is impossible for us to say that we love Jesus and not love the people that Jesus loves. Don't call yourself a follower of Jesus if you don't love the people that Jesus loves. And who does Jesus love? Everyone. Including the people that are hard to love. Including the people that kind of push back. Worship service, knowing your Bible, prayer, scripture memorization, it's important. I'm a big fan. But if you are not willing to accept, to welcome, and to value people, all people, you are not as spiritually mature as you probably think you are. So, I want to wrap up with a question and a challenge. 
The question's going to be real easy. I don't think anyone in this room is going to miss the question. It's just a yes or no question. Do you want to bring honor and glory to God? Amen. Yes, absolutely. I could ask that question to some people and they would say no, but you're going to say yes. Why else would you be here today, right? Why would you get up early and come to church on a Sunday morning if you didn't want to bring praise and glory to God? Here's the challenge. Accept one another then. You want to bring praise to God? Accept one another. Just as Christ accepted you. So this morning, I want you to have someone in mind. I want you to take it personally. I want you to think of someone that you need to accept just as Christ accepted you. You know, maybe it's someone that you're around them all the time, but you've just, you've never made eye contact. You've, you've, never, you've never really acknowledged that person for whatever reason. Maybe it's a coworker, and they're hard, they're a pretty scratchy personality. And um, you just found it easier to, you know, go your way and they go theirs. And uh, you try to stay out of their way. Maybe it's a family member. Now, a lot of family members get estranged for a lot of reasons and for a long time. Who do you need to accept this morning as Christ accepted you? Now, every, maybe everyone else sees a tax collector named Levi. Jesus is challenging us to see a gift of God named Matthew. And how are we ever going to speak the hope and the love and the purpose of Jesus into someone else's life if we keep it at arm's length? Can't do it from a distance. You can't follow Jesus from a distance. You can't live in the kingdom keeping your distance. The whole idea of social distancing, it is non-biblical, let me tell you. We've got to be in each other's lives. Accept each person, just as Christ accepted you. And in doing that, you can bring praise to God. The focus will be on the Father right where it belongs. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus came not for the righteous, but for sinners like us. So God, would you allow us the divine privilege of seeing people the way you see them? Would you help us to, like Levi, invite our friends and our co-workers, the people that you've put into our lives, invite them to the table. Introduce them to Jesus. He'll know just what to do. And I pray it in the name of him. Amen. Let's go ahead and be standing and we'll sing.